distinguished young revisionist who revised revised a classic hymn for us and thank you for giving it fresh life. Amen. That's the skill that they bring and I honor them for being so obedient in doing so. Thank you, Mrs. Amaker, for reading Jude 3 and 4. And I want to take just a brief detour uh, from that passage. Um, I want to use the passage at least the argument, or probably better said, the warning from Jude to his recipients to, to stand up and to fight for the faith uh, because there is a spiritual war that has been initiated in high places. And so even though the war in its initial stage is in the heavens, that's what Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, the manifestation of the war is in the lower level right here where we are. And so in Jude's language in which he says, I appeal to you to contend for the faith. That, that word simply means I need for you to stand up and fight for the faith and be faithful to the faith. And I want to sort of uh, not dub it down, but revise it to fit something I came across between services for these young folk in reference to the text because I want to put it where they can work with it. That's what I really want to do. So in, in Jude's warning, I want to pick up from the story of Genesis 39. And that story in Genesis 39 is about Joseph, Jacob's son. And I want us to see, particularly young people, an interesting process in Joseph becoming who Joseph became. For I want to send the clarion warning to you that the words that Jude used for me says this means war. But I want you to pick up the same theme because I want you to realize there is spiritual wickedness in high places and there is a desire to slay the dreamer. And I don't want you to lose out on the dream that you have looking forward. But I do want you to understand that for that dream to come to manifestation, you got to fight. Because there's a war against you that you may not be aware of. And there are enemies of you that yet you know of, and there are even those who are close to you that could very well destroy where you're going. So I want you to see the importance of being the dreamer, but understanding you must take on a military, aggressive, fighting mentality 
to see your dream come to pass. Let me read this passage from Genesis chapter 39. And I want to read verses 1 through 5. Here's what it says. Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. Everybody say successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him. Everybody say, the Lord was with him. He saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he owned, he put it in his charge. And it came about that from that time, he made him overseer in his house, and overseer over all that he owned. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. He blessed the Egyptian's house, which represents evil, on account of Joseph. <laughs> that says that because of who you are and, was, and that is with, instilled within you, there's already something trying to kill the dream. But if you, if you allow yourself to allow God to manifest, you will bless those who don't even know why they're blessed on account of you. Blessed him on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. That's enough right there. Go and sit down. I said earlier, someone and something wants to keep you young mind, young lady, young man, from your spiritual fulfillment. That's why I call this the year of self-worth because if there is any inclination, what the enemy attempts to do is to rob you of seeing the worthiness of who you are in the person of Jesus Christ. There is an attempt to keep you from your spiritual fulfillment, experiencing your development in Christ and I am seeing perhaps what you don't see about yourself because it's the Spirit of God who helps me understand in this story as I see you depicted in the life of Joseph. So let me advocate that you go home and read Genesis 37, barring 38. Now 38, I would encourage all my sisters to read because it's the story about Judah and Tamar and it's an interesting story about being sexually exploited and likewise experiencing incest in your own family unbeknowing. 
So Genesis 38 is a story that many don't like to bother because it hits too close to home. It's a real story. But Genesis 39 to 50 tells us about Joseph, the life of the dreamer, but someone who had a revelation, the end result, that's what dreaming is. It's vision means that I have a picture of the end result. That's all vision is. I see it, I see it as it is fulfilled. Joseph had a dream, but Joseph was unaware apparently of the tribulation it often takes to get to the process of attainment. So you may have the end result, but hear me clearly, you're going to have to go through to see the dream come to pass. Remember his father, Jacob, gave him a coat of many colors, which was his signature move because Joseph was his father's son in his old age. So in other words, uh, Jacob says that I'm excited that at my age I am able to still have a son so he gave him a coat of many covers and when you read Genesis 39 and 37 his brothers became overwhelmingly upset because they could not understand how does Joseph get to be better in the heart of daddy than we are watch what I say now remember even your family will detour your dreams. His brothers despised him, and they despised his destiny, so they sought to discourage him. So you remember the story? Because they became so mad at Joseph, because Joseph had two dreams at the age of 17. One of his dreams says that I saw my wheat rising up, and my piles were bigger than your piles, and your piles looked up and bowed down to my piles, dream number one. And dream number two was, I saw the sun and the moon, and I saw 11 stars, and all of them bowed down to me. And Joseph's brother said, enough is enough. So what did they do? They sought to discourage Joseph by throwing him in the ditch and stealing his coat and dipping it into blood and then going back to tell their father Jacob that your son was eaten up by a wild beast. They want to discourage Joseph. But watch the victory in this story. But the story tells us that Joseph didn't die in the ditch. In fact, Joseph probably became stronger in the ditch. Now. He could have been disoriented. He could have been in a sense of trying to figure out what's going on. He could have relayed back to God, what's up with this? Because this is not what I was dreaming. But remember what I said. Even though you have revelation, you've got to experience tribulation in order for it to be fulfilled. And so what Joseph wasn't banking on was that his brothers would discourage him and throw him into the ditch. But even in the ditch, God was with Joseph, which is a revelation to you that although right now you might seem as if your dream is stuck in a ditch, understand that God, even in the ditch, is still God. And that God can work out the ditch where it becomes a learning ground 
so that when you come out of the ditch, you will be more valuable than you was when you went into the ditch. So watch what he does. He's in the ditch. His brothers tried to discourage him. And because that didn't work, they kind of figured they might as well get rid of him permanently. So they tried to displace him. What did they do? They sold him to Ishmaelites who were passing by. But you know God had to be in the midst of the program because even though they sold him to Ishmaelites, God had his hand on the Ishmaelites who did Joseph no harm but took him down to Egypt and allowed him to be seen, watch this, by Pharaoh's second man. When God's got his hand on you, it doesn't matter what evil tries to do, God will put the right people in the right path at the right time and will make sure. It's almost even in them trying to do the right thing by hang out with your family members and give everybody equal time. But no matter how much time you give, somebody else gets jealous because you're giving one person too much time. Watch this. And what God will do is make sure that if you keep giving the right thing, which is the right time to everybody, God will prioritize... Who needs to be the priority in your journey? So his brothers may have thought that the Ishmaelites were insignificant. Now understand this. There is a process for progress. Let me say it again. There is a process for progress. Joseph had revelation, but Joseph didn't understand he got to experience tribulation. Why? Problems are life shapers. Yes, they are. Problems are life shapers. And what are they are intended to do? One thing they will do is drive you to your knees. They will make you strengthen your prayer life because you will recognize that the problem may be more than your natural shoulders can handle. And so you need someone who can bear the load larger than your shoulders and help you carry the load in the heat of the day. So problems, they can do something for you. They can shape you. They will not only drive you to your knees, but they will help you discover what's deep on the inside of you. Can you imagine what Joseph must have felt while in the ditch, yet he had to discover what he really was made of? And you don't ever get to see what you're really made of until you get thrown in the ditch. See, because in the ditch, you've lost all footing. You've lost all leverage and you've got to find a way to get out. And if you're smart, hopefully, if you're smart, you will remember the word of the Lord. Amen. And the word of the Lord reminds us that they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. That means that the ditch might rob you, but wait on God. And in the ditch, God will renew and restore your soul. I thought I had some folk in here who've been in the ditch before. And by being in the ditch, you had no place else to go but down on your knees and you cried out, Father, I stretch my hands 
unto thee because there's no other help I know in this ditch context I don't know anybody else who can help you get out of a ditch but the Lord Jesus Christ himself who not only can reach in but will get in the ditch with you and help you get out in the process so Joseph realized at least if I'm thrown in the ditch and at least they try to displace me, God will use what they meant for evil. He'll turn it around for the good. So problems can shape you. Watch this. People can shape you. Joseph never imagined in his own dreaming that his own family would be the instrument in the hand of God to show him how God actually had them progress. See, what you have to do with folk who are difficult to deal with in your family is to embrace them with the love of Christ, which means you don't listen to everything they say and you sure don't pay attention to everything that they do, but you got to let it go in one ear and out the other and you keep them up before the throne of grace. And you let God's mercy and God's grace keep watch over you and thee remember the prayer I think it is Jacob as he leaves he says may the Lord watch between me and thee and every now and then you got to do your own family like that and say you know what because y'all tripping on something may the Lord watch between me and thee as I go in this direction and you go in that direction because really what God is going to do is use those same people to help shape your life it, it, it would be nice if everybody in our family were cool in the gang, everything was on top of the mountain, but everybody ain't like that. Somebody gonna act up, gonna act crazy, gonna act foolish, gonna talk crazy, gonna think crazy, and those are ones that keep you shaking your head saying, Lord, I don't know why you put me in this family, but I'm here and I'm out in Jesus' name. They help shape you. Because they're going to help prepare you for what you're going to have to face when you go out into the real world. So problems help shape you. People help shape you. Watch this. And pain helps shape you. So Joseph has two dreams before, he's, before he experiences some tribulation, some real tribulation. He gets thrown into the ditch, he gets shown, and God uses the Ishmaelites to introduce Potiphar's right hand, uh, Pharaoh's right hand man, Potiphar, who takes Joseph and looking into Joseph's life and seeing, says Genesis 39, how God has blessed him, and he puts him into Pharaoh's house. Now, what Joseph is not prepared for is the tribulation and the process. Because Joseph is going to remind us it's something when you try to live right and do right that that is going to be the process to which pain will become a reality. So he gets into Potiphar's house. He's doing his job. And Mrs. Potiphar looks at him and says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Every time I see you, Joseph, I will rejoice and be glad in it. In fact, on this day, Joseph, I've been waiting all night for this day to come, for you to come up this morning. And when she attempts, when she attempts to bring Joseph under captivity, 
Listen to this closely. Joseph demonstrates for us, remember he has a coat of many colors. But he has another coat on and the text says that when Mrs. Potiphar attempts to make advances at Joseph and Joseph says, hold on, wait a minute, wait, hold on, let's, let, let, me, let me help you understand something. Number one, I have an allegiance to my master who is Potiphar. And because he gave me this job and entrusted everything unto me, here's what I want to tell you about that. Watch where God places you in the process of getting to your dream development because he will put you in spaces where people will trust you. Look at the text, verse chapter 39, where it says, On behalf of God bless Egypt just because you there own the job. God will give increase to that job. Just because I'm there. That's why I tell folk all the time, if you're a Christian, that job ought to be happy that you're there working for them. If you are living out your destiny as God has intended, because God has you there as salt and light in that context. See, that's the reason why you have to help lead people to a full life of development in Christ. Otherwise, without you, they can't get there. But God's got you there so that when the outbreak of evil occurs, there you are, the light of the world, standing right there to help guide people from the darkness into light. So he said, Mrs. Potiphar, my boss has given a lot of responsibility to me, and I got to honor him. Number two, I serve a God who's just been so good to me. And when I think about the ditches that I've been in and the displaced efforts that people have tried to make of me, and the way that I've been sold and passed around and misused and abused. And yet, look where God got me at now. I am sitting on top of the world. I just can't afford to give up nor neglect the goodness that God has been in my life. And what happens when you live right? They got to lie on you. So what does Mrs. Potiphar do? As Joseph is leaving, the Bible says he leaves behind his coat. And Mrs. Potiphar tells her husband, look at this right here. That boy tried to get all these goodies that's reserved specifically for you. Only to discover that I wouldn't let him have it. I, 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 I fought him off. And here is my evidence. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Sometimes even doing right, you may have to suffer the pain of righteousness, which means that you might be falsely accused even when you're doing the right thing. But what does Joseph do? Joseph says, I want to show everybody that I'm more committed to the commission of God than the coat of my father. So what Joseph does is leave that coat behind and he runs on only to discover that Potiphar is going to lock him up in jail. But wait a minute. Why put me in jail for doing the right thing? Well, because it is a part of the process of progress. So Joseph gets put in the jail. Watch this. 20 years later, beyond age 17, Joseph is now about 37. He gets two more dreams. But this time, he gets two dreams in jail. And he gets the two dreams in jail, and while he's in jail... Listen to what happens. The first dream is about a cupbearer, and the second dream is about a baker. Fast forward, he gives them a quick analysis. Number one, 
hate to tell you this, Mr. Baker, uh, but your day's numbered, bro. You ain't going to be here very long. That little dream that you saw where the birds were coming down and picking the bread out of your head, that's you, bro. That means your, your end is right here real soon. Hate to tell you that. But you, Mr. Cupbearer, you are going to be restored to your position in Pharaoh's house. Then Joseph said, listen, all I, look, look, listen, listen to me, dog. I don't need an offering. I don't need for you to put up no one, one, one for me. Don't, don't tell anybody to give me an offering. Don't, don't put out no uh, Instagram, nothing. Just do this for me. When you get back to Pharaoh, tell Pharaoh I have been unjustly, unjustly incarcerated, and I want you to help a brother out. That's all I want you to do, man. What does he do? The cupbearer said, cool in the gang. I'll let him know when I get there. He goes to Pharaoh, and the Bible says that two years pass, and the cupbearer ain't say nothing about Joseph. Now, here's what I also came to tell you. You got to be careful who you share your dreams with. You got to be careful because, hey, here's what I want you to take away. Not everybody should have access to your dreams. Be careful because, number one, some people will plagiarize your dreams. That means they'll take what you have just shared and go out and do it for themselves. And do it as if they came up with the idea knowing that it was your dream in the first place. So you got to be careful who you share your vision with. You know, I, I understand you got your road dog and a whole nine yards, but some stuff you got to keep between you and God until God shows you how the manifestation comes along the process and those that God will put in your path, he will share with you that it's okay to share with them because they're not going to plagiarize your dreams. Second reason why I got to be careful, because some people not only plagiarize your dreams, but they will paralyze your dreams. They will purposely inflict paralysis on what you have said. Here's how they do that. There's no way in the world that's possible. God ain't going to do that for you, man. Where are you going to get the money from? In fact, you're dreaming too big. You need to bring that down to earth right where you are. Stop drinking all out of your head, uh, dreaming all out of your head. Listen to me. If your dream ain't bigger than who you are, and if it doesn't include you not being able to fund it by yourself, it probably ain't from God. Why? Because if you can do it all by yourself, then you wouldn't need God to give you a dream. But what God does is give that which seems to be impossible in the natural sense. Joseph didn't know that his dream was bigger than what he was. And what does God do? He puts him in a painful moment where the cupbearer, after he interprets his dream, forgot about him for two long years. Here's another point. Be careful because people that you do share with, because they don't have your best interest at hand, they might forget about where you have come, where you are going, and how you are getting there, and try to paralyze your dream by placing you in isolation which means that they're not going to come alongside and help because some folk just flat out jealous. They see you growing. They see you progressing. Oh, the better word, they just hate us. You're going to have haters all around you. But what you do is allow your haters to hype you up. And your haters can do that 
because the more that they hate on you, the more hype you ought to get. I know I'm going somewhere, and I know I must be in the process of progress because without that, I wouldn't be hated on so bad. And when folks see you growing, there are going to be some haters. But watch this. God going to also drop some folk by who going to help you get up in the process of development. Joseph is a little, little disturbed. I, I helped the brother out, and for two years, he forgot all about me. Could have paralyzed Joseph's dream. But watch what God does. God makes clear to Joseph, you only want people who will trust your dream to, to be your partner. So what does Joseph do? What does God do with Joseph? God sends of all people Pharaoh. Pharaoh. What would Pharaoh have to do in helping Joseph in his dream? Well, remember, Pharaoh has a dream and it's troubling to him. And no one in his kingdom can figure out what the dream means. There is some truth that your room, I mean, that your gift will make room for you. And watch this. When you're in the process of progress, God's timing takes priority over your desire. What does God do? He finally moves upon the mind of the cupbearer and says, oh yeah, there was this dude who was a Hebrew down there in prison when I was in there. That joker know how to interpret dreams. I just thought about him. Two years later, I just thought about that brother. Yeah, he can help you out, Pharaoh. I mean, he, he told us the dream interpretation of the T. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So what does Pharaoh do? He goes down and gets Joseph, brings him back up. And what does Joseph do? Joseph tells him, long story short, you're going to have seven years of progress and seven years of famine. You might want to get this thing together because if you ain't careful, you're going to be left out in the cold. And the way to do that is to put me in charge. Because Joseph also helps us understand it's a poor frog that don't praise his own pond. In other words, you got to hype your own self up sometimes. You got to sell. Listen, what's an interview about on a job? It's about selling yourself so that the person who is, who is interviewing you might see something in you that you might need to become a part of their organization. That's why if you closely, go back and read Genesis closely, Genesis 30, 39, 40, 41, 42. If you read it closely, it will tell you when Pharaoh called Joseph, guess what he did? That brother got himself all cleaned up, put on his Omani suit, got a good shave going on, pulled his pants up beyond his waist, tightened his belt up. Button up his shirt, got himself all groomed up. I'm sorry for y'all who like natural look, but he got his hair all together and he went into soft Pharaoh. Why? Because he understood the Egyptian culture who honored beards and he knew he couldn't come in there looking straggly. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you are a dreamer, dream yourself even by the way that you look. So go on and see yourself in that thousand dollar custom designed suit with your name written in the inside of the lapel. 
I know y'all can't dream that big. Let me talk to the people who can't. So see yourself in a situation where you know that you're going to wear that $1,500 custom-made suit just for me. See yourself in your gator shoes. See yourself with your Rolex or your Cartier. You got to see yourself larger than other people see you because if you don't praise yourself, there it is right there in the text. And show all your ivory, all of it. Go to the dentist though, get that thing right, make sure things are right. But God put Pharaoh in Joseph's process of progress. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. And what happens to Joseph? Promotion. How does Joseph get promoted over everybody else? Well, <laughs> he serves a God who gives promotions. <laughs> And so what does that have to do with Jude? Jude gives a warning for those to contend for the faith. If I flip the script and look at Pharaoh and Joseph, Joseph gives a warning for those who are dreamers. Be careful who you sell your dream, who you share your dream with, because they will either plagiarize your dream, they can paralyze your dream, only connect to people who want to partner with you as your dream, and only hang around folk who will patronize your dream. You know something I learned by just reading, and then I, I purposely go in certain places just to watch people. It's a good thing I never got called for stalking out somebody, but I just be looking at people sometimes. You know what I learned? People who got money hang around people who got money. They just hang around people who got money. Why? Because they want to be attached to people who will patronize where they're going, who will support what they're doing, who will envision what they see, and who can give them the hook. You're talking about the hooker. They got the hooker. Hey, man, I know this guy. He doing so-and-so. And I know you into capital investment, man. Hey, look, you might want to check this guy out. He's an opportunity. And look, one phone call leads to another phone call. And five years later, this is not for y'all Christians. This is for us sinners. You sitting back puffing on that cigar. Just say, man, I, I remember when I invested 5000 And the shares grew over the last five years. And now my portfolio is worth 500000 Y'all not feeling me. I know y'all. That's, that's called progressive thinking. That's called thinking outside of the box and beyond the box. For you younger people, dream bigger than who you are. That's what Joseph had, such a big dream. And yet it took that process of progress, which involved people, problems, and pain, and yet at the end, remember what the destiny is, he got a revelation that he was going to be on top. Where he's sitting at now? Where he at now? Sitting on top of the world because God took him through the process. But he's giving us a warning. Heed. Heed, he says. Not only people who will patronize your dream, but only hang around people who will prophesy with you who will speak 
like you speak. So I went to the mall. I decided just I decided to go to a you know upscale mall, bypass the outlet mall. You know, go to the real deal. And uh, was sitting around you know at the Tyson's, you know big big time mall over there with a the designer store, and just watching people go in. And you know some people are like mm-hmm, they got money. Yeah, you can tell that they just just the way they look. Mm-hmm, riding high. Then I start. I said, let me sit in the garage, just you know, the park there, just a little bit. See what coming here. I see Bentley coming in. I see uh, Rolls Royce coming in. I see S550s coming. I'm like, dang, I'm parking in the right place. This is, this is where I need to be. Except I'm driving a Ford F250, so there's a little bit of a problem here. I'm not quite meeting up to the standard of what's parking around here. But at least I got the height. I'm sitting above all the rest of them, so I'm just looking at all of them as they move around. But I notice <coughs> people who got money hang around people who got money. People who poor hang around people who poor. I said, now this is interesting. Because <clears throat> it would seem to me that the people who need would find folk who got so that I might get some of what they got. <laughs> and maybe that's the lesson. Because the end of the story is, remember, what nobody is aware of is that God already knew that he was going to send a famine to Egypt. And in sending the famine to Egypt, Joseph's father and his brothers had to leave Canaan to come to Egypt to find some grain. And if Joseph hadn't understood the importance of letting God lead him through the process of progress and that God will use people, pain, and problems to build you, he would not have been in position. In fact, if you read Genesis 50 and 49, Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God meant it for the good, but God sovereignly divine that I might be in this spot because he knew that he was going to send a famine to Egypt and he knew also that you were going to come out of Canaan and you're going to need some grace and you're going to need some mercy to help get you through the famine. And because he gave me the vision and the dream, he put me in this spot so that I would be right where I need to be because what you desire to do by discouraging me and displacing me, God only messed around and delivered me in the process of time. All I'm trying to tell you is, if you're going to dream, be ready to go through the process of what God has in store because the end destiny is God's going to use you for a very specific reason when you get to where you're going to be. And Joseph gets there. And Joseph, at one point, I just believe Joseph got a little bit of himself in there. And that sin rose by Joseph said, I ought to just wear all y'all out. I, I, because remember the story? He makes them go back and get evidence of their young brother and bring him back. And then when they brought the young brother back, he made them go back and get his father. But he kept Benjamin there. And remember when his brothers got back and told him, he said, Daddy, look, Daddy, listen to me. I, we tried, man, but, but this guy who's in Egypt, he kept Benjamin and said, the only way we're going to get him back is that we bring you back as well. Why? Because at least Joseph said, I want to see all my family 
before something tragic happens. And he set him up. You remember? He put some little silver and a silver cup in the bag. And when, the, when they were trying to leave, the soldier stopped them and said, Hold up, you got the king's cup in your bag, man. You in trouble. Joseph set it all up. But then when they got before his presence, and when God, this is what God will do for you. God will change your whole countenance. When they, when they saw Joseph, they didn't even know who Joseph was. Wait a minute. How are we going to grow up in the same household? You're going to ditch your brother in the ditch. You're going to sell me off. And you don't remember who I am. It's because the writer of Proverbs says that God will give you marrow in your bones. That means that God will so reconfigurate your vision and who you are that you will look so good, can't nobody recognize how good you are. That's how good God is in the process of progress. In fact, Joseph said, you don't know who I am? Brothers, no, man, but whatever you do, please don't kill us, man. We, we sorry. What? I'm your brother Joseph. Don't you remember who I am? What? That's you, Joe? Oh, man. Hey, man, I didn't mean that, man. I wasn't the one who threw you in that ditch, but that wasn't me, man. That wasn't my plan. That was Simeon's plan. That wasn't my plan, man. Joseph said, it's all good. It's all good because God in his revelation gave me a bigger picture. And I just stopped by to tell my young people, listen, keep dreaming, but don't be careful who you share your dream with. Keep dreaming and dreaming to the point where you only want to connect with people who can patronize your dream, who can prophesy with you, and who can push you in your dream. Everybody else, everybody else. Just tell me I'll see y'all a little bit later. I'll come back and get y'all if time permits. Yeah, you got to do that. Because if you're not careful, they'll hold you back. And in the word that I heard about, about 40 years ago from Charles Stanley, I never forgot in my life. What an awful thing it is to get to the end of your life and have to, have to wrestle with the question, what if? What if I had went on? What if I had stepped out on faith? What if I had launched into the deep? Here's my little story, then I'm, I'm closed. When I, when I was, I couldn't have been no more than about three years out of high school. This guy said to me, Murph, man, you ought to invest in these cell phones, man. I said, man, ain't nobody gonna buy. Who gonna walk around with a phone in their hand? Ain't nobody gonna no cell phone, man. That don't even make sense. Who gonna have a telephone in their pocket? Come on, man. I'm trying to take this. Everybody's calling me Murph in high school. Man, I'm telling you, Murph, this, man, this thing gonna blow up, man. It's gonna be a big thing, man. Get out of here. <sighs> He says, Murph, all, I, all you got to do is just give me a grand, man, $1,000, man. Give me $1,000, man. Buy you some shares. I'm telling you, Murph, man, by the time you get to be about 40, man, you're going to be a millionaire. Man, get out of here. You talk crazy. You go buy something. Let me see what happens. <laughs> nah, I wish I was, though. <laughs> what if? What if I had? 
what if I had? I was too afraid to launch out into the deep. Worse than that, I didn't have revelation. See, he had it. He saw it. At that time, we hadn't even really got cell phones. You know, them, we had them, remember them big phones we used to have when they first started out? Yeah. I'm thinking about that. And you saw somebody hanging on the side of the pocket right here, you know that kind of thing? He had vision, though. He kept saying, at that time it wasn't AT&T, I, I think it was Bell Atlanta, I can't, was it Bell Atlanta? Yeah, Bell Atlanta. He kept saying, man, I'm telling you, Murph, this thing gonna grow up, it's gonna blow up, man, and these guys gonna buy out the smaller guys, and man, the stock just gonna go through the roof. I'm like, man, get out of here, I ain't thinking about no cell phone, ain't nobody talking about no cell phone. I will tell you this, Bert Ricky, he's, 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 he's worth about 300 million now. Yeah. Easy, yeah, easy. And every time I think about it, I'm like, man, I could have been worth 300 million. If I had just thought. And I'm ashamed to tell you, but I hope it helps somebody. There's been a lot of what ifs in my journey. A lot of what ifs. Because people saw what I could not see. And I wasn't willing. Here's another thing about vision that I'm really done. Risk. You can never grow your vision without taking a risk. And you know how I found that out? So when I went back and read the story about Jesus and the disciples, remember when they were out fishing? And Peter, they were out there fishing all night and didn't catch anything. And then they kept back to shore. And Jesus begins to talk with Peter. And Jesus says, just go back out and launch into the deep. And yet Peter says, man, we done fished all night. And listen, we know this. We've been to school. We got PhDs. We've done all the research. We did the quantitative research. We've developed qualitative research. We've done case studies. We've done mixed method. We know about this whole process of fishing. Jesus, we ain't going back out there. Jesus says, just launch out into the deep. And I couldn't bring myself to say, nevertheless. I could preach on that one word, nevertheless. At your word, Lord, we will launch out into the deep. Bro, Ricky, I keep saying it. If I had just nevertheless and launched out into the deep, to the deep of that thousand dollars, man, I'd be some kind of happy today. <laughs> but I'm dealing with what if. Now, this is another sermon, but you really want to feel it? How do you get over what if? Because it haunts you through your journey, how you get over it, how you deal with it. I know, you just move on. Oh, I'm sure everybody here know that's easier said than done. You just move on. Not every time I see somebody else who gets another million, who gets another five million, gets another 50 million, and if I had just been smart, but I wouldn't. Dream big. Trust the God who's bigger than your dream and watch God take you through the process of progress. Because when you talk about fighting for what God's given you, that means war. And there is a spiritual enemy in high places that want to make you abort if it's possible.
you got to stand your ground. Father, in Jesus' name, give us insight, wisdom into the word of your